0: Every year, the Pritchard Committee for Academic Excellence meets to discuss ways we can promote vastly improved education for more Kentuckians to improve quality of life and decrease long-standing poverty. This year's meeting is virtual because of the COVID-19 pandemic, so we're presenting interviews with our annual meeting speakers via YouTube. We hope this provides an opportunity for all our members to tune in and many other Kentuckians as well. The theme for this year's meeting is mobilizing Kentuckians for a big, bold future. Achieving this big, bold future requires a groundswell of deepened civic engagement and an enhanced understanding of the future of work and our economy. Susan Elkington is the president of Toyota Motor Manufacturing Kentucky, Toyota's largest manufacturing plant in the world. She's been committed to securing advanced manufacturing production in small hometowns and keeping people employed. Susan joins me to talk about the future of work and the importance of education to fuel the economy of the future. Good morning, Susan. Thank you so much for being here with us today.
1: I am excited about being here. Thank you for having me. Great.
0: Susan, um, you have been part of the Pritchard Committee for the the last four years, not long after you came to Kentucky and took the helm at Toyota. Um, You could do so many different things with your volunteer time. Um, But you chose the Pritchard Committee and you chose education as the issue that you want to focus on outside of the plant. Why education?
1: There's a couple of different reasons why. Um, One is, of course, with my role at Toyota, Education is so important about preparing our workforce for the future, and Toyota doesn't exist without an excellent workforce, but on the personal side, I have seen the impact that education has on changing lives, and I know how it impacted me. Without my education, I would never be able to do what I do, so between those two, it's really a passion of mine to help um, kids in Kentucky um, really achieve all that they possibly can achieve.
0: You grew up in a pretty small town in Indiana, not so unlike all the small towns in Kentucky, Um, farm life, education was important, but maybe you didn't have all the exposure to the plethora of things you could be as a young woman, but somehow you found found your way to being an engineer and now the president of Toyota. So tell us a little more about that
1: experience as a
0: student and then as a parent.
1: Yeah, I I did grow up in a small community, um, actually just on the other side of the Ohio River And um, I had a very uh, loving and caring family, great support system, but not a lot of exposure besides the farming community. And so when I went to school um, is where I found my love for math and science. And I never even thought about being an engineer. It was a high school teacher that said, hey, did you ever think about going to college for engineering? And I said, well, I don't know what an engineer does. And so he explained it to me. And I went home and told my parents that I said, hey, I want to go to Purdue and I want to study engineering. And their response was, why do you want to drive a train for the rest of your life? (laughs) Um, You know, a little bit joking, but not really not knowing what an engineer did. Um, And so when I went, didn't know, but that's what I found that I really loved to do. And then you fast forward 25 years later, and my daughter um, went to the same high school. I thought it was very important for my children to grow up near my parents. Um, And she was in STEM classes. Mm -hmm. And um, I was able to volunteer to be a coach um, for her STEM club, um, and to see her in that same atmosphere and learning about engineering and having, having her teacher encourage her. Um, you know, she's a little bit different than the fact that she had a parent that way. Um, but then also my older daughter went into the medical field and I don't have anybody in the medical field in my, in my family. So you know, education is so important to really open up the eyes to young kids about what, what can they be? And um, so it's so important that they have great teachers and we have great school systems that are supported by the community and by businesses. Mm-hmm.
0: A wonderful experience. And the STEM club, I think, did you help your daughter with
1: a, in a robotics a robotics team maybe? Is that right? Um, actually, it was a little bit different. It was, a, okay. it was a high mileage car. So believe it or not, oh, she also works okay. for Toyota. But okay. it was a high mileage car. So they had one gallon of gas. Okay. And they had, had to see how far they can make their car go um, around a track in Indy. Um, and okay. so it was. Um, it was very. They they got to use lots of different, you know, three D printing and you know AutoCADs and all these different systems to be able to build. They learned about different materials um, in their class. And she was the only girl, um, which was still disappointing to me that at that age and you know twenty years later that there were still not very many girls in mm. in STEM class. Um, that, that we still have those some of these biases in our society about what can girls be. And, uh, you know, that's really um, part of also why I support some of the programs that we have here in the state of Kentucky. And
0: that's a great segue to um, I wanted to ask you about diversity, equity and inclusion efforts at Toyota. I've heard you talk before about being involved in issues at Toyota around diversity, equity, inclusion, long before it was part of the national conversation that we understand it um, to be today you learned kind of interesting things through that process as i've heard you talk before um, that you can now kind of apply to how you think about equity in a, in a in a bigger way like you just described your daughter's experience share that experience with us
1: when i when i joined toyota um, I, the plant was actually 45 miles from my hometown so i was still living in my hometown and my hometown is pretty hom- homogeneous um, a lot of same faith um, same ethnic background um, and very tight community, which a lot of small towns here in Kentucky have. And so when I joined Toyota, and Toyota introduced me to the concept of diversity inclusion, because they believe so strongly for respect for people and the fact that we can only achieve the best success if we're all are, truly are ourselves and can bring ourselves um, best selves to work. And so I got involved in this diversity inv- um, council, And I really thought it was about me being a female in a mostly dominant engineering field. But in reality, what I found is that I had my own biases. And um, I didn't realize how much my not being exposed to things had shaped my opinions. And so as I got to be exposed to things that initially made me feel uncomfortable, just because they were different, I started learning and started asking questions. Because there are problems out here in our world that we don't ever recognize that are problems because it's not a problem for me. Mm. Um, and the same thing as I've seen in our education system. Um, there are problems because it's not impacting me because my children go to a school that were the kids were mostly like them. Um, they didn't necessarily see and feel the same things as maybe other children that weren't exactly the same. Um, but they did see some of the things like my daughter being Um, interested in STEM and only being with all boys. Um, And some of that pressure that she had even then about wanting to drop out because there was nobody else like her. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the key things when we talk about diversity and inclusion is that you can't understand until you start actually wanting to learn. And the only way you're gonna learn is if you start making yourself feel uncomfortable and you start asking questions. And as you start doing that, you recognize there are problems. And those problems can't be solved by a few. It has to be solved by many. And I always say the people that are in the majority have to be the loudest voices for the voices that cannot be heard.
0: How about assimilation? Uh, I recall you kind of um, sharing your experience at Toyota as a woman and reflecting back and realizing that you were putting a lot of energy into assimilating to the dominant culture.
1: You know, I don't think people recognize how much we do that in society. Um, we all want to be liked and we all want to be able to fit in. And so whenever you go into um, any business or any, any community, you start realizing what's acceptable and what is people expecting. And so then you start changing yourself to fit that norm. And um, I didn't realize it, but I had cut my hair short and I didn't wear any makeup, very little jewelry. I started playing golf and I really do not like golf. <laughs> um, and and you know, nobody told me I had to do these things, but I felt like I had to. And I see so many children that try to do the same things because they want to be part of the, the cool group or the and so they start changing themselves. But in reality, we can only be our best when we are ourselves. And so we have to continue to allow our kids to be able to learn in these communities where they feel safe um, and to be whoever they are. And, you know, yes, respectful, completely respectful, but not about changing themselves to meet somebody else's norm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But bringing feeling
0: comfortable and free to bring their whole self to the workplace, to the classroom, to wherever it might be. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, great example. Innovation is critical in the manufacturing industry and Toyota has certainly been an international leader. What are the takeaways regarding innovation that public leaders can learn from private industry?
1: Technology is changing faster than it ever has in our lifetime. And we expect that change to continue to go faster and faster. So even as Toyota, we're moving from an automobile company to a mobility company. And as we do that, we also have to change some of the ways we do our business. And there's a couple of key items that I think that are important for any leader to really think about. Um, We are looking at not just our soft, our hardware, but also our software. And if you think about a car, you'd say, okay, the hardware is the car and the software is all the electronics and how we're connected now today to our phones and everything else. But it's also even beyond that. It's beyond the nuts and the bolts, but also the softer side of your business, which is our people, because people is what makes a business happen. And the same thing with our communities, the people are what makes it happen. So we have to invest in that also. And the other key thing that we see is partnerships, that a company can't do this alone, that you can't be the expert in everything. And so it's so important to create these partnerships, be it with other businesses, but then also with other entities, you know, with education, with for us higher institutes, but also um, for us the public school systems, because that is our future workforce. And so if the students don't come out with the required skills necessary for us to build those products of the future, whatever those mobility products might be, and you can see some of those things because Jetsons probably are not that far away. We had this conversation before that we're actually closer to 2050 than we are to 1980, which is you know whenever I was a teenager, right? right? So- And um, you have to let that sink
0: in for a minute. The first time you shared that with me, I had to think about it and You know, just 1980 was a formative time for most of us as adults today. And we probably still think about that time as the time. Because
1: you think about 1980s, that's whenever we started being a little bit more mobile with some of the things. We had our Walkmans, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. We didn't have to be plugged into something. Uh, And so now you think about you have your iPhone and your iPads and you're just everywhere, right? But imagine what it's gonna be like when our students that are starting kindergarten now graduate from high school and from college. It's not gonna be anything like what we imagine today. Um, So we need to make certain that we're partnering together to make sure that we're not falling behind because us as a community and us as a country need to make sure that we're advancing. And here in the state of Kentucky, we should be one of those leading states. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, We have great universities. We have great, so many great programs available to us that can really move us forward.
0: So Susan, from kind of an an art and science standpoint, how does an industry like Toyota approach innovation? You know, you have profit margins, you have to think about, you've got people, you have turnover of people. Um, you have to really be very intentional, I would think about innovation. So what does that look like in
1: the private industry? So in private industry, it's about making sure that you're doing the business of today, but you're also investing for the future. Mm. And when you're doing that, um, it is allowing people to have failure. It means you have to have space to be creative. Hmm. And you have to have the time and the, the focus to make sure you're investing in trying new things. Because if you always play it safe and you're unwilling to change, you will become outdated. Mm-hmm. And as a business, being outdated means you're not going to survive. That's right. That's right. And so I think it's so important for us to think about that with our children. If we don't invest in them in being able to be creative and to be able to think about the, the technologies of the future and to be able to develop those critical thinking skills, um, they are not going to be ready for what the industries are gonna be requiring in the future. And sometimes it's those partnerships, I'm guessing, where we can
0: get that additional creative capacity, especially when we think about right now in the middle of COVID and how taxed our educators are, our school system is, trying to um, initially respond with virtual learning, now help kids catch up uh, from learning loss they have limited creative capacity, I'm sure I would, in that kind of tense environment. So those partnerships at the local level to bring extra creative capacity into the conversation are probably critical.
1: They are very critical, and and there's so many different ways that you can do that. You know, people think, oh, Toyota is a great big company, they can do all these great things. But it's also small companies, because a lot of times it's not just about the money, it's about the time, and it's about somebody caring. And willing to put that effort forward, and you know it might be you might have a small business, but you have a local school that's nearby. You know, anybody being able to have a child be able to, to think differently than maybe what they're always exposed to, you don't know what that child might be in the future. Mm-hmm. So, how can you help, even on the smallest of scales, to be able to support one teacher, even um, one child, um, can make a huge, huge difference. But us as a community have to care because our children are our future. That's right, yeah. How about um,
0: measurement when we think about innovation? So what advice would you give the public sector um, when it comes to measuring and evaluating? We believe that's important at the Pritchard Committee and and always have. We want to invest in our education outcomes at the
1: state level and the local level, but we need to know, is that investment working? And one of the things that is so important about measuring is is that it allows you to adjust. If you're not making progress, then why waste your money? Mm -hmm. You can adjust and say, no, this is working. Let's do our investment over here. This is not, you know, either stop or we have to modify. Um, Too many times in businesses, it's even even like a product, right? If you have a product that's no longer selling, but it used to be your best seller, do you keep on selling it? Well, no, the times have changed. We need to stop doing that and we need to start doing something else. The same is true for the development of our people. If, if you know, through our um, development programs at work, if we're not seeing that the members are able to, to perform at a higher level after doing the training, then we got to start saying, well, why is that? Um, is it the way we're instructing? Is it the, is it the actual materials? Um, are we not creating the right environment? Are we not reinforcing? Um, because we always, when we, when we train, we talk about teach, apply, actual application, and then reinforce, meaning that you allow them to actually apply it on their own, and you encourage that. And the same thing has to happen with our children in education. It's one thing to have a book, and you read the book, and you, 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 know, you got that, that information, but you're not going to retain it. Now you put it into app, um, actual application, you're going to retain it a little bit more. But then if you're actually asked to use it, and maybe even help teach someone else, then you're really going to understand it. yeah. And I think we can do those same things mm-hmm. in our education programs mm-hmm. um, because it is so much, not necessarily just about the material, but the method of learning, but then the, also the method of problem solving and that critical thinking to where it's not just something on a piece of paper, but you actually have to apply mm-hmm.
0: it. Yeah, in the education world, uh, we refer to that as deeper learning, mm-hmm. um, which you're getting at. So the knowledge and opportunity to apply, that knowledge and skills results in that, that deeper learning.
1: And you think about this, and this should start at pre-K. I mean, it should be early educa- education. And what they're applying at that age is just the basic concepts. I am so excited about programs like the, the Rise Academy, um, which is a STEM academy for girls. And it starts at, at, at K. But the thing is, is that these children are not necessarily, you know, doing engineering work, but they're learning the concepts that are used in science, technology, engineering. You don't recognize sometimes when kids are playing with magnets, what does that mean? When they're doing sound, you know, and waves, and you make a noise and then you put it in water, and how that changes. These are concepts that the kids are thinking are fun, but in reality, in the future, they're gonna be able to put it together to make something, you know, they might design the next mobility product of the future.
0: You're building those reference points mm-hmm. in the brain, right. just like for you, when you were in school and doing well in math, and a teacher recognized you were building those reference points that were gonna serve you well if you went down an engineering path. So you mentioned the RISE Academy. Tell us a little bit more about about RISE, where where it is, who's involved, maybe some of the partners, and the other um, education initiatives that Toyota is investing in.
1: Toyota is investing in a lot of different education initiatives, but I think there's two of them that I'm I'm really proud of that I think are really making a change, especially in our field when we talk about STEM. Um, And one is Project Lead the Way. And this is really a a, a creative way of bringing um, to the classroom the concepts that are used in STEM. And they have programs all the way from pre-K to um, post-secondary education. Um, And Harrison County is one of the models um, that are used nationally as a program that shows that connection throughout. Um, And it's creative ways that support the teacher in the classroom. And it's not just textbooks, it's about actual application. Um, and it has had great success, and many of these students um, from not just at Harrison County, but around um, the state and around the nation that go through these programs end up going into um, what we have, advanced manufacturing techni- technician programs or engineering programs, and then later on get hired um, as professionals. The other one is the RISE Academy here in Lexington. Um, it started with just two grades, and it's continuing to expand every year. Um, and it's really supporting um, students that are underserved. Um, and it allows, and it's a girls' academy, so it allows the girls to be in, a, in an atmosphere, or maybe they feel a little bit more comfortable to be themselves, hmm. um, to be in a field that is not dominant by females. Back to um, your experience yes. with your daughters yeah. and your own experience. Because there's too many times in school that, Girls are shied away from these um, programs way early. Um, you know, elementary school and definitely in middle school and high school. And so if we don't start early to where they have the confidence to be in these fields, we're never gonna change for the future. And we need the brightest And to have the brightest means you need to have a diversity Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of members in the room. That's right.
0: So Susan, these efforts, um, Project Lead the Way is in all different parts of Kentucky. You mentioned Harrison County as um, an exemplar. RISE here in Lexington, these start with community members speaking up and coming up with creative ideas or um, pushing the local community to move in a slightly different direction. So it's a great example of how um, education needs to be not just within our public school system, but our communities really need to be involved in designing what school needs to be for each and every one of our learners.
1: Mm -hmm. And and I think it's also important to recognize that not the needs of every area are not exactly the same and the needs for every child are not exactly the Mm -hmm. same. And until we get to the point that we recognize that and are able to take action together to make change, um, then nothing's gonna change. Mm -hmm. And be open to that. And we have to be open to that. Otherwise, Kentucky's gonna fall behind mm-hmm. because other states are learning how to do this. That's right, that's right. So
0: there is some competition that yes. we need to pay attention to. Another thing that private industry knows how to do well is figure out how to compete. Mm-hmm. And um, so while education certainly is not competitive, Kentuckians will need to compete in the future. Um, so uh, we, as those trusted to ensure the education system is strong and productive, need to be thinking about that around the corner.
1: Right. And, and, you know, and, at, and at Toyota, we have plants. We have 10 plants uh, across the United States. And so we talk to each other about, hey, what programs are working for you in your state? Um, and we, you know, we try to support the local communities and, and share what we've learned um, through our other um, plants. And I think that's also important. And education is that the educators and are willing to talk to other people and to learn from others. Um, yes, you can be great, but usually if you're at the top, somebody's gonna beat you out and gonna Mm -hmm. pass you by. So um, the continuous learning that we're asking our children to do, we as a community and our education systems also need to do.
0: I wanna switch gears a little bit to the future of work and we've talked a little bit about that. Um, One of the things I like to say is when we think about education, we need to be educating Kentuckians for the jobs that are available today, but we also need to be educating Kentuckians to be the job creators of our future. So you mentioned Toyota shifting from an automobile company to a mobility company. So when you think about the future of work, what are those things that you say to your coworkers, to your daughters, to um, communities that they need to be thinking about as we're preparing Kentuckians for the future of work?
1: Um, The future of work is going to continue to change. I think about what the engineering field is today versus it was when I first joined um, Toyota 25 years ago, and it's not anywhere nearly the same. Um, when I was designing a piece of equipment back then, you know, you had 2D drawings. You might have you had AutoCAD at a a, a station um, where you worked, but now, I mean, they have 3D modeling and they scan the buildings and then they make the adjustments in real time. And I think about, okay, what's going to happen in the next 20 years? How is it going to happen? Mm -hmm. And so it's so important as we talk about education is not necessarily just saying, okay, what do we need to have our workforce capable of doing today? Because we can't imagine what our workforce is going to need in 25 years. And we can't imagine is, you know, Toyota, yes, we're a big company. We're always committed to the state of Kentucky but who knows what other great employers are going to be here at that time when your child who's just starting kindergarten is going to graduate and what, what technology are they going to be using at that time. But the other part of it is these children are not expecting to have one job for the rest of their lives. As they're graduating now, they're expected that they're going to have to change careers maybe eight or ten times because if they're not learning, they're becoming out of date. And so they're already knowing that because they Mm -hmm. see their technology changing all the time. So just imagine when a a child now in kindergarten gets to that point, what are they going to expect in their workplace? And us as business and us as as our communities, we have to really think about that and say, what are we going to do to keep our workforce engaged, um, to give that ability for continuous learning, um, and then making certain that our education systems are providing that inspiration to have that continuous learning because our businesses will continue to change. Mm -hmm. Instilling a love of learning as Mm -hmm. part of the learning process. It's not just about the end game. Hey, I got this diploma. Mm -hmm. That's not that's not enough. And
0: on the diploma note, one of the things we've talked about, especially over the last uh, five or so years, is the importance of a meaningful high school diploma. So the high school diploma at this point is antiquated. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's not signaling to the economy what the economy needs like it did a generation or so ago, when folks could leave high school with a, a high school diploma and get a family-sustaining uh, wage job in a plant, um, those, those jobs are quickly disappearing. When we think about a meaningful high school diploma, I think, Susan, you've alluded to some of the skills that young people need, um, teamwork and collaboration, creativity, um, what are some of those things you want in employees?
1: Yeah, and that's where I talked about the hardware and the software. What is, Yes, I need them to be able to do the math and to be able to do the physical work, but the other part of it is, is about the soft side. You know, how do you actually communicate? At I, Toyota, I always say there's, there's four things that you have to do no matter what job. And one of those is communications, and the other one is teamwork, and the other one's related to our production system and our problem solving. Mm. Um, and so those other two are not as easy to teach. And if they haven't learned them through their education and growing up, they're a lot harder for us as, as employers to support. Um, because we are more connected than ever. And so if we're not able to communicate and, and be able to do it across generations, so communication styles mm-hmm. are also so important. Um, but then the other part of it is our teamwork. And when we talk about teamwork, it, it also means, yes, I need to be able to work with someone else, but I also need to be able to understand what responsibility is and to be able to do my part. So you think about a sporting team, you, know, you have um, a baseball team, you know, a pitcher has a role, a catcher has a role, each, each person has a role to play and they need to be accountable to each other for actually achieving that. And I think that's very important also in education. Um, that means about being able to come to work on time, <laughs> right? Yeah. And being there every day, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Being, doing more than just what I'm asked to do um, because it's good for my team. Yeah. Um, and those are things that sometimes are hard um, for new employees to come in or as our new team members to come in to adapt to, um, but it is so important. And I think as we go forward it's gonna be even more important as we have more and more collaborations in our businesses and how we work. It's not, going to, it's not one person doing this, running this one machine by itself anymore. Um, because a lot of the physically difficult work is becoming automated. Um, and so now it's really more about using your minds and using the collaboration together to come up with better ideas and better ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and that collaboration isn't gonna be just limited to a person in a room you're gonna be connected to people around the world. Globally. Globally. Um, and it's hard for us to imagine sometimes when we live in these small towns that that's gonna be our world, mm-hmm. but it will be. But
0: it will be, yeah. So everyone needs to be prepared. So Susan, I wanna end um, kind of on, on that note about teamwork, um, which is so important, whether we're in a business, um, we're in a school building, or we're in a community. So one of the things the Pritchard Committee has launched in the last couple of years is something called the Groundswell Initiative. And Groundswell is all about communities being at the table with our school districts, with our community-based organizations as a team um, to find solutions to the challenges locally, to increase education attainment. So as we end, um, maybe some, some bright spots that you see as you're watching communities kind of step up to the table, either within the plant at Toyota or in Georgetown, Scott County, you mentioned Harrison County, you see communities stepping up to make a difference.
1: And I, and I think it's so important um, for communities to step up and, and the members of the community to step up. Because one of the things it shows to our children is that we care. Mm. Collectively. Collectively. It's not one person's responsibility. And somebody might say, well, I don't have any children. But this is your community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this, the children will be the community. They will be your future leaders that you have in your community. And so what I see so many um, great things that are happening is, is whenever you're seeing you know, businesses step up, big or small, to do things like, you know, like um, you know, um, bust a business to where they have exposure um, to other um, types of, of work. You know, maybe it's something that they would never have gotten exposed for. You know, um, sponsoring teachers or you know, um, principals and administrators and, and getting involved by serving on school boards, if that's something that you feel that you can do. And, and maybe you need a little words of encouragement, so I'm encouraging you, please <laughs> you know, t- get involved. Um, because it's so important uh, for us all to care And Um, one voice makes a difference because one voice gives the courage to the second voice, which gives the courage to the third voice. And that is whenever you start having change. And that, I think, is what groundswell is all about. That's right. That's right. Um, So the question is, if you're thinking about it, Mm -hmm.
0: do it, do it. Just step in there. And your example, not only your encouragement, but your example um, growing up in a a small town, choosing engineering as a woman, entering Toyota, now president of Toyota Motor Manufacturing Kentucky is a wonderful example to the rest of us to just say, yes, I can do this.
1: And you know, I wanna add one more item. And I think it's important that as leaders, that we show our presence to show that it can be done and when you're not alone. If you have these, you know, if you see a career that you say, hey, maybe I could do that. Yes, I think it's important. Even us just being present Mm -hmm. is so important Um, and saying that, encouraging that child that maybe never thought that was possible and uh, because it is possible. Exposure. Anything isn't possible. Yes.
0: Susan, thank you so much for spending
1: time with us. I appreciate it. And I um, really wish we could have had an annual meeting in person. Yes, uh, yes. But, uh, this is second best.
0: We'll get back to the in-person that I know everyone's hungry for. Uh, but in the meantime, we'll keep raising our voices um, and inspiring, encouraging one another. Thank, Thank you, you so much.